Hello and welcome to the What The Folk podcast in association with Private Rotterdam. After five long months without competitive football, Sunderland AFC returned to the stadium life to take on Hull City and the Carabao Cup. And with it, I've decided to do what I love doing the most, Sunderland preview shows. So without further ado, the chat holds turbulent last few months. We've got Luke from Tigers Tigers, blah, blah, blah. Before we get on to relegations, which we both know a lot about. How are you doing, mate? Are you all right? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, getting by. I'm actually kind of half excited for the season coming back. I wonder how long it will be until that feeling goes away. <laughs> I'm excited at the minute, but as you say, it's because there's been no football. So <laughs> five, five, ten minutes into the game and that's it. You'll be like, oh, no, here we go again. Five past three, like, own goal and that's it. You're done, isn't it? Um, I think yeah, first things right. first, yeah. you know, we've touched on it before. It's, things have been turbulent whole for a while, you know, recently relegated to League One, but it's been turbulent for a long time. Uh, you've basically gone full summoned, to coin the phrase. Um, describe to me what's going on and how has it ended in relegation? Um, um, obviously, long story, but if we go all the way back to 2010, yeah. yeah, that's when the Alams came, obviously the Egyptian owners. And at first they were they were received really positively because they'd done a lot for the local area. They'd come over from, from Egypt and, and been in the area for a long while. And they started to invest in the team. There was a bit of a fallout with Nick Barnby when they, they dispatched him after some criticism on local media. But they got Bruce in, so they, you know, an ex-Sunderland manager you'll know all about. He has his failings, but he did well for us. Got us up at the first time of asking, you know, because they had players like, well, said, you know, raided Sunderland a little bit. They got El yeah. Mohammedi and, and Myla and then a couple more Egyptian lads in. And we went up. I mean, that was the season where at the end of the game, we, we could have made it 3 1 against Cardiff and we missed a penalty. And then they went up the other end, got a penalty and scored. And we had to hang on for Watford to lose to Leeds, um, which they did. Um, first time Leeds have ever done Hall of Favour, I think. But we got <laughs> up that season. <laughs> After that, um, there was a bit of kind of, um, I don't know how to put it, animosity from the fans because they decided that to make it, uh, they wanted to rebrand the club to make it like, more worldwide appealing and the whole Tigers thing was muted. Yeah, And everything stems from that. Everything stems from that. Um, they, 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 had, they, they were defeated in trying to change the club's name, obviously. The, the FA voted on it and said no um, and then they tried to buy the stadium from the council um, and the council weren't having any of it surprisingly and after that a lot of City fans I mean I don't necessarily subscribe this too much but a lot of City fans think that even though we got up to the Premier League again after we got relegated under Bruce Bruce left that season when he got us up he left yeah. before the season even started and a lot of them were thinking that they're just doing things out of spite now. If you ask some City fans, they'll, they'll say that they, they purposely sold Bowen and Grzycki to go down because um, the fans didn't want anything to do with the, the, the whole Tigers thing. It's, it's all a big mess, really, mate. But, but the, the biggest thing with this is we got Grant McCannon because um, they wouldn't give contractual promises to, to Nigel Adkins. Nigel Adkins, I was a little bit hesitant to support before. We've been an ex-Gunthorpe, yeah. obviously Scunthorpe, a rival of us. But he did well for us in the end and, and I grew to like him. And by that time, he was on a one-year rolling contract. They wouldn't give him assurances about who they'd sign. So he'd just be like, well, I can't do any more if I'm not getting the funding. So he went. In came Grant McCann, had a good start. Obviously, young manager, did well at Doncaster the year before. Yeah. And then Bowen and Grzycki left us and it exposed how much, one, we relied on those players um, because he'll have one way of playing, which is 4-3-3, which you will see on Saturday when we play you. Um, we have signed a few new players that so may change slightly, but they, they never, ever go away from 4-3-3 and it is so frustrating yeah. to watch. Looking at the, um, like, just touching on what you were saying before about Hull and how they're doing mm. things out with spite. I've got to be honest, I mean, it's like, Obviously, you never know anything about a football club until you're in it. Like, I feel like I know a lot about Sunderland and I know sporadic bits about other clubs as well. But because Hull have been there or thereabouts in the same division as us, and we've had so many things like Steve Bruce in, in common, unfortunately, I may say uh, for myself. But um, he, <laughs> you, you look at things like with clubs like that, you see a little bit more in depth. And obviously, the, the whole Tigers thing was quite a big thing because um, mm. 
it was it was kind of around the same sort of time St James's Park got renamed, and that was funny. But Hull Tigers was not, and that seemed a bit weird. But it does seem that they're doing stuff out of spite a little bit. Like, I mean, I don't know why you'd waste your time doing it. It's a bit weird, but it seemed like almost as soon as the Hull Tigers thing didn't go through, and the fans were like against it and campaigned against it. They just kind of went, oh, well, if you're going to be nasty to us, we can't be asked to do anything more. Am I right in saying that? Or is that too, is that too short of a story? Um, I think that is generalised, but I don't think there's anything inaccurate of what you said there. Um, yeah. I think what you, what you have to bear in mind is as well, a lot of people obviously took really negatively to that name change. And lots of people boycotted from that, but they didn't mm. also just boycott from that. They, the Alams did things like scrapping concessions and doing away with family kind of family prices. So previously, yeah. when we were in the Premier League, you know, you had a, if you, it didn't matter if it was category A, B or C games, because you, you you all have, the, all clubs have that. Yeah. But you, you would get, you know, maybe 16 to 22 tickets would be cheaper, like age mm-hmm. 16 to 22. And then, and then kids would be even like, you know, smaller than that. Um, and then over 65s would obviously get the rate, which is probably around about the same as the 16 to 22 year old tickets. Now they did away with that. And it was just a flat rate. And they said it would be, be cheaper for families because if, if the kid was under 12, it'd be cheaper. It just drove people away. We were having, you know, a first season in the Premier League um, back in 08. You know, this wasn't under the same owners, but we were sold out every single week. We sold out every single away allocation. And I know a lot of that is to do with the fact that we'd never been in the Premier League before. Mm-hmm. And people are just going out for the day out. But when we, even when we came back up under Bruce, you know, we were still taking a lot. I went and, I went to Newcastle away Um back in 2014 and we took absolutely loads we filled that end up well it's right the top's in the gods in it up there was that know. when you won was that when you won one nil um no we drew two two we were two okay. nil up that's right and then um, we threw it away at the end that was when Pardew was still there there and the the atmosphere was poisonous mate there. it really <laughs> was bad but that's kind of how we we are now because yeah everything is so kind of negative towards it became negative towards obviously the owners and you've had dwindling attendances. So when that, that third season in the Premier League, when Bruce left us and we had Phelan and then we had Marco Silva, if you remember that, this was okay. 16, 17. Um, we didn't even sell out any games. Like I think Liverpool and Man United at home and that was it. Like you, We used to get 20, 24,000 is about max of what we can get at the KCOM. Um, but we were getting 18,000, you know, people were boycotting already. And now, like our last season, our average gate was somewhere between nine and 13,000 or something like that. And it's just so many people are staying away because they said, I'm not, I've support the club, always support the club, but I'm not going until them lot have gone. And it's really divided the fan base and it's caused a lot of problems. Obviously, the, the players then suffer mm-hmm. as a as a consequence. And I mean, the other thing is that, Everything became kind of poisonous towards Grant McCann when we came back after the, you know, the coronavirus lockdown. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. The fact that he, when we got relegated, he then defended the owners and said they were first class with him and they couldn't have done any more. And we know that's a lie. And we, every, <laughs> every, everybody, rather than understanding of, oh well, he has, he's the manager, he has to back whoever's in in front of him. The other managers never did that. And when it got into a position where they felt they couldn't do the job, they all walked. Yeah, you know, even Bruce. I know that there's lots of animosity from from fans towards Bruce from Sunderland, and I understand why that is completely. Um, and I don't think when he was manager of of you guys, it it was necessary. He didn't do himself in glory. He usually made substitutions too late, and the wrong substitutions. Or I remember talking to a couple of other Sunderland fans, and he, when we got him, he said, "Well, he'll, he'll start quite good." Yeah. And then about 65, 70 minutes into games, he'll take the people off that have been actually playing really well and probably change position and you'll lose. And it didn't necessarily, <laughs> he didn't necessarily work like that with us. But it did get to the stage where, I don't know if you saw um, in June, the, the Athletic did a, a really in-depth piece mm-hmm. about Hull. Um, it's well worth a read. It takes a while to read it because Adam Crafton and the be. rest of them. Like, <laughs> yeah, Adam Crafton was the main... Um, guy who, who did the research, but there were other journalists involved in it as well. But it just effectively explains how poorly the club is. Yeah. Um, you know, taking like four, four experienced players, well, not four experienced players, two experienced players, two others, and then a young player who was promising all go before the season kicked off again against Charlton in, in mid June. Two of the leads, so you had captain and vice captain. Essentially, what, what happened was in, in the end, 
they would have had to play for free for that month because the contract was up. So they were signing an extension, but they were not getting extra severance pay. Yeah. So for the sake of like whatever it is, was 10, 8, 10 grand per week for those players. And um, we let them go. So we had then no right back. We had no cent- really central midfield who was experienced. That was Jackson Irvine. And then that effectively set us up for the, the rest of the season. Fight was was a bit embarrassing. And the other thing is like we they didn't recruit well. I was going to say, because obviously you you finished the season unlike ourselves. You actually got to play the games. And I was looking at where mm. you were before, obviously, coronavirus hit, which was March 23rd, I think. <clears throat> um, at the beginning of lockdown, obviously, you're outside of the relegation zone. And by the time the season finished, you obviously, like, I think, rock bottom, I think it was. Um, yeah. But what I did look at, and, it, and it's funny because we actually studied one of the whole games in, in university. And it was the 4-4 game uh, against Swansea, I think it was. Oh, yeah, Swansea. Yeah, well, Swansea in February. It was on Valentine's Day. That's right. And I can see that you just literally, your arse just dropped even before coronavirus hit. I think you lost 5-1 to Stoke, 4-0 to Leeds. Well, the, the stat was 1st of January, after we won away at Chef Wednesday, we were we were 8. Oof. How did and that then go so bad then? The 24th. A lot of it, was to do with McCann's tactical inability. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it was to do with injuries at first. Admittedly, the first choice defence, when we get to you know Brentford at home and Stoke away, the games that you mentioned where we lost 5-1, both of them, and we lost 4-0 leads at home. Yeah, We were stretched as a squad then. We were stretched because we'd, we'd sold Bowen and Grzycki. The, you know, the, the people who have now to do with the club will say, oh, well, they went down because they sold the best players. And that's partly true. It's not just that's not just true though at all. Like that that is a big way to do with it. What's actually true is that McCann had one way of playing and he relied on those two players. Because what he used to do was he played the 4-3-3, as I said, and they'd leave three up. So whether it was Tom Eves up front or whether it was um Josh McGuinness, neither of which are good enough, by the way, um, for championship. But they would counter-attack very quickly. And with Grzycki and, and Bowen's pace, you're always dangerous. So defences, yeah. you know, w- would be nervous at that. And that's how we scored a lot of our goals. Even if them two didn't score, they assisted or were involved in those passes. You take those two out and then he's putting young players like Keen Lewis Potter, who's a striker, by the way, like local here, loads of, loads of City fans are really excited this season to see what Keen Lewis Potter can do in League One. Um, it was never really given a chance last year, but he's playing like a young striker who's you know five seven out wide when that's not his game. He needs to play off somebody, if you get me. Yeah. Um, so he was playing players that didn't really suit the system he was trying to play. What he should have done was we had when we came back after the coronavirus lockdown, he should have gone three at the back and done that a lot a lot quicker because you could see from the first game. Against Charlton, we had one good player, which was John Terrell in the middle, mm-hmm. who we've now let go. And the ta- so we looked dangerous in the first five minutes. All Lee Boyer did was drop someone on him, and Grant McCann had nothing. It's just the tactical inability. Like he, he can't see what the most you know <laughs> the most youngest City fan yeah. um, can see. It's funny, and, and it's McCann. just so frustrating. Because I thought with McCann, I mean. You know what? I mean, young young managers have to make mistakes and go. And so and the, the argument for, we had it with Jack Ross, where there was the argument where, like, you know, you can't just expect him to have a miracle and he did well and so on and so forth. And um, so I suppose there is that argument for Grant McCann because obviously he came with a good reputation from Doncaster. And if Doncaster side were good, because obviously we win League One when he was in the, the playoffs with them. Mm. But um, yeah, I remember reading, like, you getting beat on a regular bit because obviously we, I probably paid him some more interest because of Honeyman. Um, towards the end yeah, of the season. Yeah, well, I'll come on to him later on. Cause, I'm curious yeah. to how you take him, actually. But with, with McCann, <laughs> like, I'm surprised surprised he's not been sacked, to be honest. Is that just an ownership <laughs> thing? Is that another spite thing? Or is it just, there's no one else? Um, one of them, well, we asked on, on our podcast, me and Rich, my co-host, we'd asked this question even after the, the, you know, the first first game. Yeah. Um, if if results don't improve, to say not not oh we've lost to Charlton, therefore he needs to be sacked. Um, but 
if if these results don't start coming, you know, so there was nine games left to go, weren't there, when the season re- resumed for us? Yeah. Obviously, it was different for people in League One and, and Two. Yeah, bugger off. Should we make the change? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I know. I work with a I work with a Sunderland fan, uh, and I know how annoyed he was yeah, about the whole situation. But but you know, he, he just never changed. He's just he thinks if he does the same thing. Oh, enough eventually it'll pay off you yeah. know like Arsene Wenger used to do yeah pass 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 eventually we'll score lads well they didn't have any of the good players that, that Wenger had or any of the ability or tactical now to, to go right this is what we need to do today you know even things like when we played Birmingham you know, we were 2-0 up at half time we absolutely blitzed them should have been 4-0 up and we end up drawing the game 3-3 because they make one change bring a tricky winger on and he exposes our right back what does he do nothing yeah, he just lets that happen. So, it's. I think he should have been sacked earlier. I really do. But the other question was, who are you going to get in? Yeah, at that stage, um, and Middlesbrough did it. It worked for them because they got um, Warnock in, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and they did enough, even though they weren't brilliant themselves. I think they just relied on other teams being really poor. Yeah. Um, and the and the crack up for me is that that Wigan played so so well and you know they beat us they whacked us eight 0 and they 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 were a very very good team that second half of the season yeah but they still went down because they had that points deduction and Barnsley ended up staying up if any if any team does not deserve to stay up Barnsley. <laughs> it's Barnsley I don't know they how they I don't know how they did I mean I don't know how Luton stayed up because obviously. They were the they were the best two sides in League One the first season we went down, but the li- Barnsley literally sold their defence. They just and their goalkeeper they sold their yeah. entire back five. Whereas Luton, I think, sold Stacey and um, the the lad that went to Leicester as well, uh, Justin. Um, and yeah, Justin. Yeah, they're, they're somehow stayed up as well. But um, I suppose one thing that struck me a lot about Hall and probably didn't surprise me that you did struggle. Didn't expect you to struggle as much as you did, but obviously. <laughs> I kind of expected you to struggle a little bit, but it was the players that you brought in. Um, tons of League One players you brought in. Off the top of my head, George Honeyman, Tom Eaves, who we've touched on, Ryan Taffazoli. Um, you even had Marcus Madison on loan, which is a whole different conversation if you're a Sunderland fan. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know your take on Madison because I've got mine. I think everyone, I think everyone would love Madison at Sunderland. But you know what? On the flip side. I mean, I'd like him because he's free. But when it was like 2.5 million and all that kind of stuff, for me, I was just a bit like, yeah. I've not seen enough from him apart from when he fancies it. But what do you make of like Honeyman and Madison and Eves? And was that partly the reason that you just went down? I think that partly was the reason because a lot of the players we recruited were, as you say, League One. So yeah. it's all right being a good League One player, but the step up from the championship, uh, from the from League One to the championship is massive, isn't it? So because you've got so many... Uh, just look at people like teams like Leeds, West Brom, but and you know they they go up. But then you've got Brentford. They didn't go up. Brentford didn't go up, and they play the best football in the entire league. You know, you look at um, McGeady, and then you've got McGeady. teams like Forest. Oh yeah, he was one of he was probably the best player in League One the season that we got the playoff final. He went to Charlton and then went down, and I can't remember him scoring or assisting anything. And McGeady looks he did well against us. He did well against us. That was a really good game he had. <laughs> but, but he's like meant to be, in my opinion, was at the time, I suppose the season before he went, the best player in League One um, in terms of genuine talent. But then he's gone, to, yeah. he's gone to Charlton and he hasn't turned over any stones, has he really? So I suppose, you, you know, no. the amount of League One players you brought in, I suppose I'll come to Honeyman first, actually, because obviously I think Tommy yeah. Tafazoli, I don't think Tafazoli got in as much Tommy's, well, with his goal rate, but... George Taffer's early he was wasn't used that much, but yeah, George Honeyman became an ever present. He's more mighted Sunderland. I like I really like him. Is he really? But he's total more mighted um, Sunderland. I love him. I hate him. I didn't think much of him. Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, when the season resumed with the nine games to go, uh, me, Rich, and then we had a guest on called uh, Bobby Hadgraf, who does lots of stuff for Sky and mm-hmm. chief journalism student as well. A big city fan. She um, also said that our, our, we would put Honeyman in our squad. Like none of them chose, none of us chose him. To put in there, and it was just kind of like, well, maybe just put him on the bench. Yeah. But when and when he was brought on, you know, everyone was like, oh, "What's he bringing Honeyman on for?" And that's probably something that you used to 
hear a lot at, at Sunderland. But in the end, do you know what? He's, he, he, I don't know what he did over lockdown, but he improved himself as a player because his set-piece delivery was outstanding. Um, and he was one of the only ones who was actually what you could... He, he, I, I think it's always a, a bit naive to say the player's not trying because all players try. Yeah. You know, there's only very, very, very few players where you go, he's definitely not trying. I'm thinking of Ben Arthur when he was playing for All City. <laughs> Alan McGregor covered more more ground in the first half an hour than he did and Bruce hauled him off and he, he, he pissed off to, to France, never came back. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a bit naive to, to say a player doesn't try um, but it was Honeyman, particularly against Wigan. Honeyman impressed me. Him and uh, Key Lewis Potter were the only ones who were trying to get on the ball, showing for it, making the tackles, picking up a booking if you have to, um, just to actually show that you're dedicated to the cause. And he was one of the ones that 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 did impress me. So he went from uh, a bit underwhelmed and think he's a bit rubbish to lots of people were shouting. I don't know how much this will surprise you. Lots of people were shouting for him to be captain by the end of the season. Oh, that would be a controversial comment for Sunderland fans. Jesus, um, <laughs> that, I didn't. I didn't say I subscribe to that necessarily myself. <laughs> we've got an, we've got a new captain now. We've got Richie Smallwood who's a new signing from Blackburn. Um, from Blackburn, so he's already been decided as club captain, which I'm happy with because he's okay. a, an absolute horrible, horrible midfielder who you'd love to have in your team and hate to play against. So you I'm, want I'm, that, in this you league. know? That's that's a good signing. Yeah, you're definitely want that. He was brilliant for Blackburn. Brilliant for Blackburn when they got promoted. Um, with Honeyman, you're talking about him being captain, though. I mean, because I, I subscribe to mm. the idea that I liked him as Sunderland captain, um, if I'm honest. Right. And I'm just wondering, do you think, because when he left, it came as a bit of a shock for a lot of people, even the people that didn't like him. And obviously you had that debate of, well, it's, you know, I don't want him in the team, so I'll take whatever. But you had other people that were like, well, he brings so much to the team. I kind of what you said before, he does show a lot. He does move a lot. Like, I think mm. he's, to me, he's he's not the best player that we've ever had on the planet, but he's, I'd rather have him in the first 11 than, than not at this level. Um, mm. But with, with Honeyman, do you think that potentially that he started off poorly because he's a bit shell-shocked that he left Sunderland because it kind of came out of nowhere? Um, I think that had something to do with it. I think he'd never played for anyone else, but he, this was no. his first time away from home. Um, he was a Sunderland boy, always played for Sunderland. And and I think that it, it took him a while to acclimatise, want a championship football like regularly if he mm-hmm. was going to play for us. Um, I know he played in the champion. He had played in the championship for Sunderland before, hadn't he? But he actually played a couple of games in the Premiership, but like literally two yeah, games or something. I think like he was that. like I, I remember him. I'm sure he was like number forty six. I don't know if you want to check. That. Was, I'm sure he was forty six, Honeyman. Because I remember seeing actually. him towards towards the end of the season where you got relegated. That's when he when came we in. Did. Yeah, yeah. I think Moyes brought him in. Did he not? I think he played against you when we beat you two 0 at. Um, yeah, I was KC. there. Yeah, KCOM. Yeah, I was yeah. there. It was a it was an awful game, but that, that Moyes was in charge then. He was, um, and I think it was him that brought him in. And he he did. He, he looks like he had you know bags of energy and running yeah. up and down. And actually, he did he did well for us then. Um, I don't know if it was just the fact that he was homesick. I don't know if how much of a homeboy he is. Like he proper wants to, you know, if if you've played for your boyhood club and you, you've got to move supposedly up a league and to a. It's, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they get away with all saying a bigger club than Sunderland. So I don't think they are. Bigger division, um, though. Like, it, a bit, it was a bigger time. division at the time. That's certainly true. Obviously, we're in the same one now. But it maybe just took him a while to acclimatise to to that and, and playing with different players. And if you've gone through, because he went through the youth system at Sunderland, didn't he? He was so in Sunderland if, since he was about 11, I think. And then yeah. he, was, he was actually born in Prudder, which is like a Newcastle stronghold. But I think he was with Sunderland that young. That he yeah. he became something through and through, and he's spoken yeah. obviously since he's moved to Hull because um, he's and I think he basically said he was waiting for a contract offer from Sunderland. It was never coming. Then Hull came in and he thought, well, I've got the chance of a four year contract here and to move up a division at a good club that I could do well at. And I think, but yeah. I, I think when I heard him speak, you could hear him kind of being like gutted that he'd well, not so much gutted, gutted and maybe shell shocked, not not in a way that he didn't want to go to Hull, but kind of like oh. Bloody hell, I've never, I've never had to think about this before and I've had to think about it in a couple of days. Um, yeah. So I suppose it's not too surprising. I've got a lot of time for George Honeyman. I know some people will disagree with me on that, but, but I do. But I'm curious if you take on Marcus Madison because for me, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm in a minority where I don't really care if we sign him. Um, 
But lots of Sunderland, a lot fans, of Sunderland fans, a lot of Sunderland fans would really like him, wouldn't they? And like he's no, he's been number one target for about seventy years. It feels like he's. <laughs> he's a, I think he's from Durham, well, and with that, like some fans are definitely yeah, yeah. Like yeah, he's from Durham. I mean, I'll tell you if you, my my take on him is he's a very talented player, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if he loves football that much. That's my take on him. I, I I don't think he's got the love and drive for the game. I think he knows he's good. Mm-hmm. You know, on his get on his day, some of them passes he sprays about and the creativity and drive he's got. It, we can see why McCann wanted him because McCann had him at Peterborough. Yeah. Um, and then he was still at Peterborough. We got him on loan. Um, I think there was, I don't know if it was Norwich after him or somebody in January and it never materialised. I think there was a bit of a weird fallout there and he weren't going to play for Peterborough again. And we took him. And he, he, he scored one goal. He was involved in another couple. He just, a lot of fans didn't take to him because of his social media presence. <laughs> um, he's, I don't know if you, have you seen his Instagram? Oh, every time he posts anything on Instagram, like if he's back home in, in the Northeast, he's flooded with Sunderland fans being like, oh, go over to the stadium light and sign. And so, yeah, his, his social media presence is very, very obvious to Sunderland fans. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it, there was a. It, this was again was was before the um, before the season resumed. He got a lot of abuse from City fans, and I don't condone any of it because I just think load of, you know abuse on social media is 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 just something that you know every yeah. player feels that they have to deal with. But I don't think they should. In any case, it was warranted. A lot mm-hmm. of people were were having a go at Madison because um, they. <sighs> There was a there was a whole load of like dodgy things that had been put on Instagram, and and a lot of people take negatively to the fact that he's you know he's he's wearing his Canada goose and you know and his Valentinos and he's, <laughs> he's very much uh, he's he's twenty four twenty five is he twenty six yeah. maybe he's mid twenties he's that. you know I know he's got a, he's got a daughter but he's single you know and yeah he's a footballer he's getting paid decent money everybody would be doing the same as him of course nine times out of ten if yeah, he's, but I I didn't mind that. You know, I don't I don't mind people who think they're big time because if you play in the championship, you probably are big time or yeah. you've got something to do with it. I, the, the, the only worry about me was with him that he didn't have the consistency or the maybe even the motivation to improve himself because there was a good player in there who could have improved himself. Mm-hmm. And a championship, I think he did struggle. I think he's a very good League One player, and I think it's daft as well that we didn't extend his loan deal so he could have played because that would have been given him, you know, a, a deal where you know, you've got nine games, go and rip it up, son. You get a, maybe a deal with us. If you don't get a deal with us, other clubs will come in for you. And the other week he was playing for Gateshead or someone. Yeah. Um, non-league, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, he was going as a trialist, as like a Northern Premier League club, and he's better than that. You know, he's so much better. Telling me that he's not, you know, he's he's sort of Gainsborough's level, or you know, um, South Shields or whatever. Yeah, he's, he, he shouldn't he shouldn't be playing at that level. He's, he's he's League One massively. I don't know about Championship on his day, it could be, but he's, he's he's a very solid League One player. If Sunderland do sign him, he just needs to be managed properly. That's all I would say. I think sometimes he needs bringing down a peg or two, but other times he needs. He's the arm around him and being told he's the best player in the world, and I think he'd do well. I yeah. think there's too much of that. I, I think, think there's too much of a lot. Of, a lot of young players are really, really temperamental. If the manager knows how to deal with them, then they're brilliant. But you know, if things don't go their way, toys are out the pram, and that's it. You know, I, I think, think he's I've, one of those. When I've watched him and stuff like that, I often think that because I mean, I would like him. I'm just not desperate to have him. Don't get me wrong, but I think the problem we have is mm. we're missing some end of being missing a midfielder with pace and power in the middle, and people seem as like that ideal number 10. Um, but I do think potentially, because I understand where you're coming from with the social media stuff. I know people don't like that. And, but I, I took it in the same way that you sort of take it. I'm like, and I hope he proves me, I hope he signs and proves me totally wrong because I'd love nothing more than that. Even mm. if he didn't sign for us, I'd love him to prove me wrong. But um, this is for them, not, which I doubt. Um, but like the thing was with, with Madison, I do sometimes look at him and think, do you like the football or is it other things you prefer more of? And that's fine. Like, if you prefer yeah. other things, there's yeah. people that play yeah. football that don't like it. But for me, it's Sunderland. I want someone who's going to be, like, fully focused on getting us back up in the championship. And I sometimes wonder, 
if coming back home, would that be like a positive or negative for him? And I would hope it would be a positive because he'd be near family, friends. Um, or could that be a negative? Because he's got more of a, an excuse to go out. But obviously, I've, I spoke mm. to Darren McCantney before. And he he speaks very highly of his personality and said that he's he's no problem. He doesn't mind him going for a drink if he's scored and he's won. And I suppose Sunderland fans are very much like that. If he if he goes and gets bladded on a Friday night, but turns up on a Saturday and turns into like effectively the the player that wins you the game, I don't think anyone really cares. But in terms of players that you have brought in, one big one for me. Um, it would be no surprise to anyone that I'm quite fond of Rangers based on where I live and stuff like that. But um, Greg Doherty's mm. came in, someone who, if I was given the choice between Doherty and Madison, I'd take Doherty every day of the week. I think he's a great player, but how's he been in pre-season? Has he played yet? Um, <laughs> I'd love to be able to tell you, but the amount of well, misinformation or, or the lack of information <laughs> from the club is just baffling. Um, obviously, lots of, on the social media, there's lots of stuff on the training sessions. Yeah. Um, Smallwood's obviously been made captain. Docket is a good acquisition, in my opinion. I think a lot of City fans will will say the same. Um, I know they played two games on Saturday afternoon. They played double header against Rotherham. Now, for the life of me, I cannot understand. And I was talking to my co-host about this. He kind of wasn't as bothered as much because it's pre-season. But with the writing, because I, I write for, for Vavil and. Um, yeah, League One editor there. If there's any game where City are playing or League One teams are involved, I like to write about that because obviously people want to know. You know, if if you you're trolling, you're trolling Twitter half the time. I remember before um, before lockdown, we played a game against Sheffield United, and it, it took me about two or three hours to track down the the you know the scorers and whatever. But I managed to do it because there were enough active Twitter blades, as they call the Sheffield United, are really dominant on Twitter. That, you know they they're actually quite a good lot of fans and they'll fans. they'll give you the information if they have it you know so I was looking through and there was nothing the only thing that was there was James Scott's Instagram um right at the top of the uh, West Stand they'd filmed the game clearly as kind of like a bird's eye view and you saw him score a cheeky little lob now that's about ten seconds of one game and another were two if you ask different people there'll be three or four different results. What I was told apparently was that Rotherham won one game 2-1 and then Hull City with a different 11 won 3-2. And I don't know if that's true or not. And I don't know how much, you know, um, Smallwood played. I don't know how much Doherty played or in which games. I would I would have thought that he would have played in the one that we won. <laughs> Both of those. With small, Smallwood and Doherty, <laughs> you would hope. You know, when, you, when you're bringing some quality into the into the squad that's the other thing that it baffles me as to why there's no information about that because the fans want to know they don't care if they can't watch it they want to read afterwards Smallwood had a good game Doherty was quality do you know what I mean it's pre-season it it just seems like exactly but I mean I'm sure Sunderland streamed their live pre-season live did they not we had all three games we've got the resources to do that I I don't know why we're not doing that and on the yeah. flip side, it's been good for us because, like, one of the big talking points from Sunderland is Will Griggs scoring again in pre-season against yeah. Gateshead and, and Harrogate, which is going to be not the opposition we face next season. But um, there's been a young lad called Dan Neal who no one's really heard of him, and he's been probably our stand-up player in pre-season from the, the moments and the games that I've watched, which I think has been two of them. Yeah. Um, and he said, Will Griggs, and, and suddenly you, you're watching pre-season, and it feels like pre-season again. You're making... There's wild predictions like Dan Neal's going to be the breakthrough. Will Griggs going to score 20 goals? It's his season. And, and that's kind of part and parcel in the fun of preseason. So are, are they just not showing you anything at all then? No, no. What? I mean, yeah, the whole Daily Mail is obviously the local paper. The other thing about the old Daily Mail is that with the fallout with the Alams, they're banned from the stadium. So they're not going to have an awful. They're they're not going to have an awful lot of information. But I, I could have written more detail than they gave in yeah. their report because they said there were two games against Rotherham. They didn't even tell us the score neither. They don't know. <laughs> so it's just it's just weird. We've had nothing. One I of them, one thing. I, one thing I do know is that uh, I don't know if you know Curtis Woodhouse. Yes, he's manager at Gainsborough, Gainsborough Trinity. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've I was at uh, North Ferriby FC. Um, yeah. which is a lo- obviously a local club. Uh, I've just left that position because obviously I'll be doing lots of League One writing yeah. this, this year. So I didn't really want to be Northeast Counties as well and, you know, going to Hallam midweek and all that sort of stuff. Um, but obviously I was, pre- I, was pre- I was press officer there 
Um, Ferriby just played Gaines for Trinity um, at the weekend. And obviously that's three divisions difference and, and yeah. it's 2-2. Two, two, so that was a, an interesting game to watch. But having spoken to Curtis, like I'm going to the... It was... They advertised their preseason, and they said that they had Hull City at home on the second, and uh, no, sorry, the first of September, which is tomorrow. Um, yeah. And it took a week for Hull City to even announce that that fixture was a thing. Gainsborough had said that that was a, that was a fixture that was happening. Um, it now turns out it's Hull City twenty threes, um, but that's still you know there's still a Hull City game that that people could go to. So I will be going to watch that tomorrow. That's at Gainsborough. That's only about an hour away from me. Um, and obviously, I'll be, cover- I'll be covering that game. So even though that they had an actual preseason friendly before the Sunderland game, which is the Saturday, you know, yeah. this Saturday coming, the fifth, they Hull City did not announce that game. Gainsborough did, and it was a whole week before they even like acknowledged the fact that we would be playing Gainsborough. It's just baffling. It really is baffling. Yeah, I mean, it's preseasons. I, I find it weird. We've only played three preseason games after being out for five months, but like. At least I'm able to watch them. At least we would like, I mean, our social media team, I know some people aren't huge fans of them. I think they're fine. I think they do a really good job. They're funny. They keep us informed. Um, I think Oscar does a good job and has been chuckling quite often. Um, when it comes to um, Sunderland itself, looking at obviously the game on Saturday, I think it's going to, I think it's still going to feel like a preseason. And I think in a way it's like a glorified preseason game, but because it's actually competitive. But the one thing I wanted mm. to touch on before we sort of go on to pre-match predictions and, and close off, um, mm. as I said before, you know, unlike ourselves, you've got to play out your season. And although it was drastically bad and obviously you've got to be getting off Wigan and so on and so forth, um, we never really had that experience of watching, like we finished against Bristol Rovers where fans could go midweek, we got beat 2-0, then that was it. It was just done after that. Um, we haven't had the experience mm. of supporting the team through the visual of the internet basically um, how, yeah. how how different is it can you can you get passionate about it or is it just shite because uh, <laughs> that's how I feel it's going to be um, it's going to be shit I think I think it depends how you ask I think some people yeah. um, some people will not have had the opportunity like they wouldn't have gone to away games anyway yeah you know? And they'll have done something else with the Saturday. So then being able to actually watch every game 3 p.m. was a bit of a novelty for them. My co-host, Rich, for Tigers, um, Tigers Blah podcast, he usually goes every week too. I, I hadn't been going as much to see because of my role with North Therapy. Of it, But obviously I'm not there now. I'd, I'd want to do more, obviously more League One coverage, which I'll do this season. But he couldn't get behind it. He was very much like, it feels weird, this. Um, I didn't, you know, it, it is difficult with it because you feel so kind of removed, even though you, 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 it's, it's the no crowds, I think. Just bizarre. um, it's just it, obviously there'd be no crowd noise because if you do it for I for I follow or your own team's you know coverage, it's not the best. Yeah, you know, I follow is terrible. I don't know if you've ever used it. It's the absolute it's usually about worst, it's about five minutes behind the actual game. Um, and there's no excuse for that. You know, so if you've got local commentary on, you tells you there's a goal, you have to wait two minutes to see it. Um, obviously we don't do I follow, we've got our own, we've got Tigers TV, and and that, and you know, and that's that's fine. But there's no crowd noise, there's no there's nothing like that. And you can you should be able to hear the player shouting, and it was very clear from the start that the only player that shouted or was was one of the ones that was vocal was Josh McGuinness, even when he wasn't on the pitch, he was shouting. It's really weird to hear the players shout and it be so kind of it's like a training session. That's how it feels when I've watched the games. I mean, like you, when you hear the ball hit the back of the net, it's nice when you hear it with the crowd noise because immediately afterwards you have the kind of roar. But yeah, when the ball hits the net, yeah. now you hear a couple of people going, get in, yay. And it's like, it just yeah. feels so it's like, it's like a little a little clink. And then the, yeah. lots of people don't even celebrate, you know. Because I mean, uh, lots of people are obviously nervous about contact and, you know, it's fist bumps instead of hugging and all that. And I, and I get that, but that watching it through, watching the last nine games through, you know, I mean, I covered lots of the games for City, for, for Vavil. And it's, you know, first you have to get used to covering a game rather than just watching it because you, yeah. you're always focused when you're watching that game and it goes much faster when you are covering it because if you're writing your report simultaneously for it to be ready to publish at the final whistle, 
you, you know, you, you, there's no trap time with that. You know, at half time you're writing as well, aren't you? Um, yeah. So oh, it kind absolutely. of felt it. It kind of felt strange for me getting used to that, but I was used to it in the end. But it's it was also trying to stay kind because of, obviously I, I I write about different clubs, but one of the ones that I write most about is City because it's my team. Yeah, of course. Trying I'm to saying. be trying to be as neutral as possible about it as well. And, and that was that new experience for me because at some point I was able to rip into the team more than I normally would. Yeah. And that was the Wigan game. You know, I was really being, being able to be damning of City whilst taking nothing away from Wigan. But it, yeah, watching the game from, from your house, bizarre, 3pm kickoff or whatever, is, is just very odd. And I would hope with steps three to to six now being able to have fans from today no tomorrow i think yeah from tomorrow it's up to 30 percent of capacity which obviously will encourage more people to get into non-league i'd hope there'd be steps forward to 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 make sure that steps step one or step one and two um have fans back in at some point because i think clubs will die without it yeah i think some of are in a bad position just like just like city are really you know um there's clubs like charlton that are that are in worse than us um and obviously wigan there's so many clubs that that need the revenue of people coming through the gates, um, because obviously if if it were able to, you the Sunderland fill the stadium much easier than we do, and you've got far more fans than we have. You know what does it hold? Like forty odd, forty eight, forty eight, and it won't have been full for a long time. I know that, but no. even when it's even when it's half full, yeah, that's yeah. that's a lot of difference, and I think the players. React better to when you when you're at home and when you've got the crowd behind you, well, yeah, um, I mean, or against you if you if you're a if you're a whole city fan. A lot of it was very negative. People um, used to but, say stuff about the stadium and stuff like that, and it does sometimes feel like there's a lot of pressure there, which people discuss. But to be honest, I think mm. off the top of my head, we've only lost two home games since we've gone into league one, two or three. Not many. Uh, we got beat off Burton yeah. last year. We got beat off uh, Coventry the year before. I think we've only lost two. So obviously. At home, we're, we're pretty strong. And I think, I do think the fans have got a lot to do with that. I think we get a lot of stick for being um, expectant. I don't think there's anything expectant about being in, in League One. Talking about, one thing I did want to touch on, which just totally skipped my mind, but um, and I'm kind of curious as to someone who's obviously been used to the, the championship. We touched a little bit on before about the situation in League One. Um, with League One, what I find quite baffling is a lot of them said they couldn't afford to play behind closed doors. And yet here we are a couple of weeks before we start League One and suddenly they can afford it. Do you think that was <laughs> just uh, convenient for clubs like Wickham to do that? Um, I mean, I, it's only, well, it's only my, my guess, but I would say that if you look at resuming a season, look how desperate, I would say, look how desperate Hull City were to not resume the season. Yeah, and just go on the points per game because we'd have stayed up, wouldn't we? Absolutely. I think the problem when you've got that is that every um, every club is self-serving. Of course. Would yeah. you vote for something that sees your team slip out of the pr- promotion spots? No, of course you wouldn't. If you're the beneficiary of that, would you go, well, it's just the way it is, lump it? Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. probably. I, I, think, I think that's, that's, the, that's the, the problem with because they gave all the clubs a vote, didn't they? That's what they shouldn't have done. So, it's realistically the EFL yeah, fault from that it, perspective. The EFL have a lot to answer for and lots of they things. Do. But I think that is also one that, that they really messed up with because, I mean, just because obviously League One wasn't my league last year, I, I watched games and I did, you know, like I watched the playoffs and stuff like that. But remind me how it fared if it would have finished and then actually how it finished, depending on. The best like, way for me to describe it was that. Wickham were you in were, the promotion spots? I think we were. I think we were just out of it. But I think I think we are this. We are the sixth or seventh. And my grievance wasn't so much against because I don't. I wouldn't have fancied the playoffs again. To be honest, I don't think we would win that last year. <laughs> no, um, at all. But clubs like Peterborough, I think, have a huge right to be. I'm sure Peterborough was fourth or fifth. Um, but going on points per game, Wickham, who were eighth, and Wickham were on a downward slide. They were, I mean, we beat them 4 0 at home. We were 3 0 by half time. They were like, mm. they'd done very well to get where they were. And they did very well in the playoffs as well. But I think it got to a point where Wickham were um, 
You could see the one I get down. But that's, the, that's three games, isn't it? That's yeah. three games, the playoffs. It's, it's if like you're counties. up for them, bang up for it. Yeah. It's, easy. it's anything can happen, you know. Of course. Um, I'm sure Ainsworth can get a side up for three games. He seems, by all, by all, it's quite a decent manager. But I think basically, I can't remember how many clubs it was. I'm sure it was like about 18 voted not to play on because effectively they couldn't afford it. And the ones that wanted to play on were obviously the likes of ourselves and Peterborough. Um, for, for the me, ones that had the most to gain by playing, you'd have yeah. So, well, if we've got these games and we, we can win them, then yeah, let's do it. I think the most thing that aggrieved me more than anything on the planet was, and this goes into the, the women's football as well, because I obviously work at middle school women, and it didn't really affect us so much at middle school women because we were about seven, so we couldn't really go up or down necessarily. Um, yeah. Clubs like Sun and Ladies were top of the league by 11 points and their league got completely nullified and the positions got nullified. Yeah. Whereas like yeah. Aston Villa in the championship and women's football went up. But then in the men's football, it was the same. Like some played, some didn't. It's either if it's safe to play, it's safe to play. If it's not safe to play, it isn't safe to play. And I think... Yeah, well, I think one of the things that you have to take into consideration is so two, three weeks after lockdown, you know, when football was all kind of put, put on hold, they cancelled null, vo- null and voided everything from step three below. Yeah. So and there's no money in that. So they, they obviously don't care about lower league football. The That's only ones they care about is the Premier League. That, that, that my opinion, is, is, has never changed. That is, what, that is what it is. If you had, you know, steps three to six, look at those teams that were up there. You know, South Shields were doing so well in their league. Look at Jersey Bulls in the Southern League. They were yeah. top and not lost. And their season counted for nothing. And, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't support either of those teams, but I really feel sorry for them. Um, you know, North Therapy, we we were fourth at that point, null and void. You know, four go up as well, you know. So that it's just that, right, well, we'll cancel all the lower leagues because that doesn't matter. Right, can we make sure Liverpool win the title, lads? Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it felt. Yeah. That's it how did. it felt. I'm not saying it was that, but that's how it felt. And it also was like, let's make sure that Leeds get up, shall we? It felt like there was too much money rest that, that's what it felt like it felt like money money was the important thing I, mm. I would really hope that I'm wrong but and I don't just mean Sunderland and I don't just mean other clubs I think you're probably right in what you're saying there's probably been a lot of frustration aimed at the clubs who voted to play on where realistically who was it the ones that gave it the decision and why it's probably the big thing I'd be very interested to know what they'd want to do if Man City were 18 points clear yeah yeah, that would have been quite interesting, wouldn't it? It might be, might be because it wouldn't have been Man City's team. first title in thirty years, <laughs> would it? You know, yeah, that's the other thing, isn't it? It's just, uh, I, I mean, I've got nothing against Liverpool, really. But no, same. I, I just feel, I just feel the the kind of loving that you're seeing for 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 Klopp and his team is a little bit sickly by now. I just can't really stand much more of it. The, the only um, benefit is obviously. Guess, we get to see Jordan Henderson a lot, which we're obviously very proud of. But, yeah, um, and I mean, he's, we take that I, as a I like win. Him I think as a player, Great I player. like him as a player because he's really he's really underrated, and I'm and I'm glad you know that that he's won more than anybody else because I yeah. was yeah I remember him playing for Sunderland and he got loads of stick when he went to Liverpool because people said he weren't good enough, and then he's you know he's proved people wrong because without him in the team they lost to Watford, they lost lots of games, didn't they? So yeah, um, absolutely. but yeah, it just feels that a lot of the decisions were just, right, let's come to the Premier League first. And then everybody else was an afterthought. Yeah. In fact, the first the first step was to cancel all the, the, the lower leagues. And that's where you should have been testing whether fans could go back or not, in my opinion. Because would have been the first place. you have less attendances. You, you know, you, you have between in, in the league that I was in with, with North Ferriby, you know, North Ferriby were, were a big club because they're a Phoenix club. You know, they, they've got running to the ground and, and they had to resign from from MPL because they, you know, the money problems and everything else. So they reformed and they started right down the bottom of step six. You know, that's that's Northeast Counties Division One. They still get three to four hundred. You know, and that's a lot. If you look at other teams, they get you know between fifty and a hundred people. Yeah. So if you have a ground that holds a thousand, they don't even fit ten percent in anyway. You know, now they can say you can have ten or fifteen percent rising to thirty percent. Non-league's a perfect example of where you could do test plays for everything. You know, you could have had playoffs, so you could have had points per game deciding playoffs and then deciding who plays what in two or three games like you did in League One, but they didn't. You know, South Shields, they could have gone up, couldn't they? 
Yeah, you if you if you've got less people there and you say, oh, wait, you have thirty percent of your your thing and make sure you're social distance and everything else, that's safer, in my opinion. Then look at look at things at other sports. Look at like the rugby league. You know the amount of positive coronavirus tests that some clubs have had and and there's no money in it and teams have resigned from the league and stuff like that. So it just seems the priorities are all wrong for me. Yeah, but absolutely. it just means that I'm looking more forward to to League One this season rather than Premier League because I yeah. don't really care that much about the Premier League now. It's all about League One, best league in the world. <laughs> I promise you that novelty will wear off after about five months. Uh, um, five minutes, yeah. Well, five, five minutes, minutes but yeah. I, I think in a way Will Craig scores past us after two minutes. Well, that that <laughs> I'm going to pop my hat on this and say that's not going to happen. But people might disagree. Um, <laughs> so I suppose final thing then: short, sharp, and sweet. Uh, score predictions mm. for Saturday. Um, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. No. Um, we, can you answer it as to whether it's going to go to penalties? Does it go to penalties straight away? My honest answer to that is I have no fucking idea. Um, I would assume <laughs> yes. Because I know there was some there were some early uh, games this weekend, weren't there? Because of yeah. some teams involved in international duty. So that I know the Carabao Cup is Stevenage. They went through on penalties. Uh, and I just wasn't sure if they went to extra time first, but I don't think they did. Um, I do think they did. I, I think, think they went will. straight. I think if it was 3-3 at the end, I think it should go straight to penalties now. So I, I, I'd go for maybe a... I think, so I think Sunderland legit. If we get a draw and then are able to win on penalties, I'll be happy with that. But I think you'll probably win 2-1. Yeah, I was going to say 2-1, actually. I'll take 2-1. and I'm going I'm to see Charlie White double because that's just funny to think about it. But because um, you probably won't do that. But honestly, mate, um, good to chat about a natural competitive game again. Thanks for coming on. Um, yeah. No, no, th- no worries. Thanks for having me. No problem. And I, I was going to say, are you coming up on Saturday, which we normally end on, but that obviously not. Um, uh, well, I would have. I would have been actually. I would have been if um, if data code sorted the stuff out for for me covering games. So it would have been a possibility, but. Um, but there still we go. They're waiting for insurance documents, and it'll be at the start of the season, the, the regular season. So it'll be an unfortunate no, but it may be later on in the in the year when we do play you in the league that I may be up there. Which is on the... It's Boxing Day, isn't it? It's Boxing Day. I think so, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'd, I've looked at the fixtures, but I haven't looked that in that de- much detail about them just yet. That was that was this week's work for me. So Oliver, for um, Christmas turkey and uh, coronavirus, hopefully not. Um, well, <laughs> hopefully it won't be that much of a of a problem then. But you never know what's going to happen now, do you? you? Don't, yes, you so don't, yeah. We just take each game as it comes. Absolutely. Thanks very much for coming on, though. Yeah. Appreciate it. That's all right.